Okay, Deuteronomy 19, I think that's a good place to start. And then we're going to run through a couple of scriptures. I'm going to really try and watch the time. But some of it we need to spend some time on. 19 verse 15. Okay, so let's just get it. There we go. Okay, now I wanted to do this with the board, but then I decided against it because then we're definitely going to just take forever. Okay, so so are you going to run with me? You're going to, okay, so let's see how quickly we can make sense of all of this. Okay, so Deuteronomy chapter 19. Okay, so this is God's word. It's inspired by the Spirit. Holy men of old spake as they were moved upon by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will move upon us. We will hear and receive and bear good fruit in Jesus' name. All right. Okay, so Deuteronomy 19. One witness shall not prevail against a man for any crime. Okay? One witness. So that's why Skinner stories shouldn't be listened to. Okay. So one, one witness shall not prevail against a man for any crime or any wrong in connection with any sin he commits. Only on the testimony of two or three witnesses shall a charge be established. Okay. So just take note because I've always wondered why two or three? If two is enough, why mention three? Legally, if two is enough, why mention three? So two or three witnesses. So it can be all four or five, I mean, but two, two or three. That's really specific, okay? And it's, it's also quoted um, elsewhere. Okay, so, but the, the point is two or three witnesses shall a charge be established. If a false witness rises up against any man to accuse him of wrongdoing, then both parties to the controversy shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges who are in office in those days. The judges shall inquire diligently, and if the witness is, is a false witness and has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him as he had intended to do to his brother, so you shall put away the evil from among you. Okay, so this is, this is important. <laughs> if the false witness is found out, the false witness will receive what he intended to bring on someone else with his false testimony. Okay, just keep that in the back of your mind. Okay, but by the, the evidence or the testimony of two or three witnesses, the truth is established. Okay? Okay, I think we can start in John chapter 5. Wait, let's quickly go to Exodus chapter 25. Then we can go to John chapter 5. So what does a witness do? A witness sees something or hears something and then testifies. So what is the thing that he testifies? Is a testimony. Because the testimony testifies of what the witness sees. Okay, so he says here, verse 21, you shall put the mercy seat on the top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony, the Ten Commandments that I will give you. There I will meet with you, 
and from above the mercy seat from between the two cherubim that are on the, the ark of the testimony, I will speak intimately with you of all which I give you in commandment to, Israel, to, to the Israelites. Okay, so the Ten Commandments inside the ark was called the testimony. So there was a testimony that was kind of a rigid uh, measure of truth, okay? But it was an external thing and it was a natural thing, okay? But it was hidden on the inside of the ark, not to be seen. Because if anyone would lift up the mercy seat and look into what's on the inside, they would die, okay? So the test, there was a testimony that testified, but mostly the testimony of the ark of the testimony testified against people, all right? So it testified that everything that they did was basically wicked <laughs> because no one can do the ten. Never mind the hundreds, the rest. Okay, so there's a, in the old, the law was even called the testimony. Okay, so now I just want to, to jump to John chapter 5. I want to jump, jump to John chapter 5. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Verse 17, I think. Jesus answered them, My father has worked even until now. He has never ceased working. He is still working. And I too must be at divine work. So what did he reply on? They sought to kill him because he was doing miracles on the Sabbath. My father is at work and I too must be at work. Okay? This made the Jews more determined than ever to kill him. So what did they want to do? What was their intention of heart? They wanted to kill him. All right? To do away with him. Because he not only was breaking, weakening, violating the Sabbath, but he actually was speaking of God as being in a special sense his own father, making himself equal with God. Verse 19. So Jesus answered them by saying, I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, the Son is able to do nothing of himself, of his own accord, but he is able only to do what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does is what the Son does in the same way in his turn. So now... The son only does what he sees the father doing. So when you look at the son, you see the father. When you look at the son, you see a visible representation of the father. So the works of the son, the words of the son, speaks of the unseen father. Bears testimony to who the father is. Who, who he really is and what he is doing. Okay? So the actions and the words of the Sadducees, Pharisees, and scribes that never heard the voice of the Father nor seen his form, who never had any contact with the Father, but they represented him. 
their actions was a false witness to the Father. It was a false witness to the character of God because they put burdens on people and they, could, they did not lift a finger to help them to, to fulfill it. So Jesus said, you don't, you, it's not only that you don't go into the kingdom, but you close the doors for the others as well. Okay, so they put burdens on. So what they did was a reflection, but it's a, it was a reflection from a completely different image and a completely different source. Okay, what was their desire? To kill him. So that means if you look at the Sadducees, Pharisees, and scribes of the day, you would see God, if you, ex if you think they're from God, you would think that the God, want, God the Father wants to kill. God the Father wants to judge. God the Father wants to put burdens on people. God the Father wants to destroy people. Okay? So that's why it's so important for us to, to reveal Him, to not misrepresent Him, but to see Him for who He really is. If we can see Him for who He really is, we can have fellowship with Him. And people can believe in Him. But if we misrepresent Him, we bear false witness according to the, the Scripture. We bear false witness of the Father, and, and people who see us don't see Him. Okay? All right, so let's continue. He says, uh, so the Father is showing him, him something, and He does what He sees the Father do. Verse 20, the Father dearly loves the Son and discloses or shows Him everything that He Himself does. And He will disclose to Him greater things yet than these, so that you may marvel and be full of wonder and astonishment. Just as the Father raises up the dead and gives them life, makes them live on, even so the Son also gives life to whomever He wills, and He is pleased to give it. So what does the testimony of the Pharisees and the scribes do? They seek to kill Him. What does the testimony of Jesus, of the invisible God, do? It brings life to whomever He wills, and He is pleased to give it. The testimony is life. Eternal life is the testimony. We'll get to it in 1 John 5. The testimony is life. The testimony revealed in the law of Moses was death. But it had to be revealed that way first so that Jesus could take the testimony upon himself so that the truth of who God is could be revealed through him. The law is not a complete revelation of the truth of God. Christ came to fulfill it, and Christ is the visible representation. Jesus is the, is the uh, express image of the unseen God. You can read Colossians 1 and Hebrews chapter 1 in the, in, you know, compare it to one another. So if you see Jesus, you see the Father, uh, John chapter 14. Okay, so if uh, Jesus is the exact representation, the, uh, what's the word, the, yeah, the soul expression, the express image. Okay. Right, so, just as the Father raises up the dead and gives them life, makes them live on, even so the Son also gives life to whomever He wills and He's pleased to give it. The Father wants to give life to everyone. His intention is raising up the dead, not killing. 
His intention is to restore the dead to life. Even the Father judges no one, verse 22, for he has given all judgment, the last judgment, and the whole business of judging entirely into the hands of the Son, so that all men may give honor, reverence, homage to the Son, just as they give honor to the Father. In fact, who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who has sent him. I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, the person whose ears are open to my words. What is the words? It is a true testimony. Okay. Who listens to my message and believes and trusts in and clings to and relies on him who sent me has, possesses now eternal life. And he does not come into judgment, does not incur sentence of judgment, will not come under condemnation, but he has already passed over out of death into life. If your ears are open to what? To the testimony of him, the true testimony. You pass over out of death into life because the Father gives life to the dead and raises them. And in his way, in his turn, the Son also gives life to the dead. And he is pleased to give it. All right? Does it make sense? Okay. Verse 25. Believe me when I assure you most solemnly I tell you. The time is coming and is here now and the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who hear it shall live. For even as the Father has life in himself and his self-existence, so he has given to the Son to have life in himself and be self-existent. Okay, so Jesus has life in himself and the Father has life in himself. So we have two who have life in themselves. But we know the Father is in the Son and the Son is in the Father. Okay? All right. And they have the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, 27. And he has given him authority and granted him power to execute, uh, exercise, practice, judgment, because he is a son of man, the very man. Okay, so that's a whole sermon on its own. But because God gave authority to Adam in the beginning, uh, the authority had to be exerted through someone who is on earth, a human being. And because Jesus was a man, he had all authority on the earth. Because God said to Adam, let them rule and have complete authority. Okay? So that's why Jesus had to come as a man. Okay. Now, verse 28. Do not be surprised and wondered at this. For the time is coming when all those who are in the tombs shall hear his voice. And they shall come out. Those who have practiced doing good will come out to the resurrection of new life. And those who have done evil will be raised for judgment, raised to meet their sentence. Okay, so that's clear. Um, we, don't, we don't have to uh, try to contradict that in any way. Verse 30, I am able to do nothing from myself, independently of my own accord. Did Jesus come to do his own thing? Was he testifying of anyone else but the Father? Okay, I can do nothing of myself, but only as I am taught by God and as I, as I get his orders. Even as I hear, I judge. I decide as I'm bidden to decide. As the voice comes to me, so I give decision. And my judgment is right because I do not seek and consult my own will. 
I have no desire to do what is pleasing to myself, my own aim, my own purpose, but the only will and pleasure, my own, my own but only the will and pleasure of the Father who sent me. So he has no desire to testify of himself. He trusts the Father to testify on his behalf. So he does not have to defend himself. He does not do anything from himself. So he does only what he sees the Father do in complete dependence on the Father. In complete trust of the Father because he knows the will of the Father. Okay, let's go on. If I alone testify in my behalf, my testimony is not valid. So, back to Deuteronomy 90. Okay? If one testifies of a crime, it shall not stand. But by the, by the testimony of two or three, okay, the, the charge shall be established. Okay? If I alone testify in my behalf, my testimony is not valid and cannot be worth anything. There is another who testifies concerning me. So now there's another witness on the scene. And I know and am certain that his evidence on my behalf is true and valid. You yourselves have sent an inquiry to John, and he has been a witness to the truth. But I do not receive a human witness. The evidence which I accept on my behalf is not from man. But I simply mention all these things in order that you may be saved. John was the lamp that kept on burning and shining to show you the way, and you were willing for a while to delight yourself in his light. But I have as my witness something greater, weightier, higher, better than that of John. For the works that the Father has appointed me to accomplish and to finish, the very same works that I am doing are a witness and a proof that the Father has sent me. The Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. Not one of you has ever given ear to his voice or seen his form, his face, what he's like. You have always been deaf to his voice and blind to the vision of him. Deaf to his voice, blind to the vision. So that means they cannot testify on his behalf. They cannot see him and they cannot hear him. Anything they say concerning him will be false testimony. And it will bring death. Okay? Now verse 38. You have not his word, his thought, living in your hearts. Because you do not believe, hear, trust, rely on him whom he has sent. That is why you do not keep his message living in you. Because you do not believe in the messenger whom he has sent. You search the scriptures. You pour over the scriptures diligently because you suppose that you have eternal life through them. So they recognized that 
the life was supposed to come, uh, the scripture spoke of eternal life that was supposed to come. So it testified of life. Okay? He says, you suppose that you have eternal life through them, through the scriptures, and the scriptures testify about me, and still you are not willing but refuse to come to me that you might have life. Okay, so there's two witnesses. It's Jesus standing up, speaking the truth that he had from his Father. And the other witness is Jesus working the works that he sees his Father do, and the Father testifies on his behalf by the works. Okay, two witnesses. Okay, so now, Let's just quickly go to um, John chapter 10. Okay, John chapter 10. Verse 37. If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. Jesus says it. Do not adhere to me, trust or rely on me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me or have faith in me, at least believe the works and have faith in what I do in order that you may know and understand clearly that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. They sought again to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. Okay. <laughs> All right. John chapter 14 Okay, for time's sake, I'm not going to read it. It says the same thing. Okay, so if, you, if I don't do the works of my Father, don't believe me. But if I do the works of my Father, at least believe the works. At least believe the works. The works is a second witness. The works is a testimony of what? Well, it's a, the testimony regarding the Father that says... He wants to raise the dead to life. He wants to give eternal life to whoever believes it. To whoever receives the testimony. Okay, let's just go back to John chapter 8. All right, verse 17. In your own law it is written that the testimony, the evidence of two persons is reliable and valid. The testimony of two persons is reliable and valid. It's written in your law. Okay? I am one of the two bearing testimony concerning myself. And my father who sent me, he also testifies about me. Can you see two witnesses? Okay? I am the one witness and my father is the other witness. I mean, it's so clear. There he says it. Okay. Then they said to him, where is this father of yours? So they're blind to his vision and they're deaf to his voice. Okay? Uh, you know my father as little as you know me. If you knew me, you would know my father also. Jesus said these things in the treasury while he was teaching in the temple, but no one ventured to arrest him because his hour had not yet come. Okay, let's just jump over to verse... 35. A slave does not remain in the household permanently, 
the son of the house does remain forever. Okay? So if the son liberates you, you are really and unquestionably free. Yes, I know that you are Abraham's offspring, yet you plan to kill me. See the testimony there. <laughs> so their works testifies of their source, their father. Their word, their works is a completely different testimony. That's what they have inside them, in their hearts. Yet you plan to kill me because my word has no entrance, progress, does not find any place in you. I tell the things which I've seen and learned at my father's side. And your actions also reflect what you have learned and, and learned from your father, that you have heard and learned from your father. Do you see what I, what I mean? The testimony is life. The testimony of them is death. The false witness is death. The true witness is, the, the true testimony is life. Okay? But the false witness is trying to make out God to be the author of death. Come on, how many times have you heard it? I mean, how many times, what, what ideas have people about God? You die so that you can meet Him. Since when does the word say you die so that you can meet Him? Death is not the way to the Father. Jesus is the way to the Father. I'm the way, the truth, and the death. No, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Okay? So he's, 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 he's not the author of death. He's the author of life. But everyone associates him with death. No, he died for you, and he, and he took back his life again so that you can have eternal life. Not so that you can die. Okay? Right, so he says, I tell the things which I've seen and learned at my father's side, and your actions also reflect what you have heard and learned from your father. They retorted, Abraham is our father. Jesus said, if you were truly Abraham's children, then you would do the works of Abraham and follow his example and do as Abraham did. But now instead, you are wanting and seeking to da -da -da -da, kill me. <laughs> okay? There's the testimony again. A man who has told you the truth which I've heard from God. This is not the way Abraham acted. You're doing the works of your own father. They said to him, we are not illegitimate children and born out of fornication. We have one father, even God. Okay, so now the, the, God is, the father is God and not, not Abraham. Verse 42, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me and respect me and welcome me gladly. For I proceeded and came forth from God. So all the false witness is now being put on trial and being exposed. So what is happening here is they are being found out as a false witness. Okay. Out of his very presence. Okay. I did not even come on my own authority or my own accord as self-appointed, but he sent me. Verse 43, why do you misunderstand what I say? It is because you are unable to hear what I am saying. Okay, blind to his vision, deaf to his word. Okay, deaf to his voice. Okay, you cannot bear to listen to my message. Your ears are shut to my teaching. You do not take the testimony. Verse 44, you are of your father, the devil. Okay. <laughs> so now they're calling each other devil. Okay. It is your will to practice the lusts and gratify the desires 
which are the characteristic of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a falsehood, he speaks what is natural to him, for he is a liar himself and, a, and the father of lies and all that is false. So that's the false witness. The desire to kill is the false testimony. Okay? The desire to kill, the desire to judge, the desire to, to destroy people's lives because they don't fit your, your idea of what you want. Okay? Uh, it's of the father of lies, and it is of the father of killing. He says he's a murderer from the beginning and a liar. Okay, verse 45. But because I speak the truth, so there's the truth that's established by two witnesses, the Father doing the miracles and Jesus the Son testifying of what he heard the Father saying. Okay. Because I speak the truth, you do not believe me, you do not trust, rely on me. Verse 46. Who of you convicts me of wrongdoing or finds me guilty of sin? Then if I speak truth, why do you not believe me? Rely, trust on me. Verse 47. Whoever is of God listens to God. Those who belong to God hear the words of God. This is the reason that you do not listen to the, those words to me. Because you do not belong to God and are not of God or in harmony with him. Then the Jews answered him, Are we not right when we say that you are a Samaritan and that you have a demon? <laughs> calling, calling each other devil. Okay. You are under the power of an evil spirit. Jesus answered, I'm not possessed by a demon. On the contrary, I honor and reverence my father and you dishonor, despise, vilify, and scorn me. However, I am not in search of honor for myself. I do not seek or aim uh, I'm not aiming for my own glory. There is one who looks after me. He seeks my glory, and he is the judge. Okay, so Jesus was appointed judge, but Jesus calls him judge. He says, I don't seek my honor. I don't seek my glory. He seeks my glory. I trust him. I let him testify concerning me. Okay. All right. I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, if anyone observes my teaching, lives in accordance with my message, keeps my word, he will by no means ever see and experience death. Wow, strong words. Jesus said to him, now we know, the Jews said to him, now we know that you are under the power of a demon. <laughs> Abraham died and also the prophets. You say, if a man keeps your word, he will Never taste of death and into all eternity. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and all the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I were to glorify myself, I would have no real glory for my glory would be nothing and worthless. My honor must come to me from my father. It is my father who glorifies me, who extols me, magnifies me, who praises me of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you do not know him or recognize him or are not acquainted with him, but I know him, and I should say that I do not know him 
Uh, if I should say I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I know him and keep his word, obey his teachings, and I'm faithful to his message. Your forefather Abraham was extremely happy at the hope and prospect of seeing my day. And he did see it, and he was delighted. Then the Jews said to him, you are not even 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus replied, I assure you, before, uh, most solemnly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. So they took up stones to throw it. <laughs> but Jesus, by mixing with the crowd, concealed himself and went out of the temple enclosure. So everything Jesus says triggers this thing. They want to kill him. They want to kill him. They want to kill him. They want to destroy him. They want to kill him. And they expose themselves for the liars that they are. They do not represent God. They do not look like him. They're deaf to his voice and blind to his vision. Jesus could see what the Father was doing, could hear what the Father was saying. His desire was to bring life to the dead and not death to the living. All right? So that's the, the one great distinguishing characteristic of the true witness and the false witness, the true testimony and the false testimony. The true testimony brings life, the false testimony brings, brings death. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 3, uh, it says, the letter kills, but the spirit makes alive. It's the spirit that qualifies us. Okay, all right? So the law cannot be, cannot be a true witness. And I'm saying this for a reason. We're going to Revelation chapter 11, and that just debunks doctrine. Okay, so the, the law cannot be one of the two witnesses. The two witnesses are the Father and the Son. Okay, you with me? All right. Hallelujah. Okay, we did John 5, we did John 8. Okay, that's the time. Let's go to Zechariah chapter 4. Are you hearing something? Okay, say amen. Say hallelujah. I'm alive, I'm awake. <laughs> I know this church makes everyone quiet, but you can be noisy. Okay, don't want to feel alone up here. Okay, Zechariah chapter 4. You ready? May God give us, give us answers to questions that people have had for years. Okay. The angel who talked with me came again and awakened me like a man who is wakened out of his sleep and said to me, what do you see? I, I said, I see and behold a lampstand all of gold with its bowl for oil on the top of it and its seven lamps on it and there are seven pipes to each of the seven lamps which are upon the top of it. And there are two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl and another upon the left side of it, feeding it continuously with oil. Okay? So I asked the angel who talked with me, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered me, I do not, uh, do you not know? 
what these are. And I said, no, my Lord. Then he said to me, this addition of the bowl to the candlestick, causing it to yield a ceaseless supply of oil from the olive tree, is the word of the Lord. To Zerubbabel saying, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, of whom the oil is a symbol, says the Lord of hosts. For who are you, O great mountain of human obstacles, before Zerubbabel, who with Joshua had led the return of the exiles from Babylon and undertaking the rebuilding of the temple? So the rebuilding of the temple speaks of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the upbuilding of the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is the church. It's the picture being fulfilled. Okay? Right, so it wasn't for nothing that the temple had to be rebuilt. It, it, it was a parable for something that would, be, that would come. Okay, you sh uh, the temple before, and you shall become a plain, a mere molehill. Let me just read verse 7 again. Who are you, a great mountain of human obstacles before Zerubbabel, who was Joshua had led the return to, uh, of the exiles from Babylon, and was undertaking the rebuilding of the temple before him. You shall become a plain, a mere molehill, and he shall bring forth the finishing gable stone of the new temple. So the new temple is the church, the temple of the Holy Ghost. So the finishing stone. With loud shoutings of the people crying, grace, grace. So grace brings the temple to perfection. Okay? Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundations of this house. His hand shall also finish it. Okay. Let's just jump to verse 11. Then I said to him, the angel who talked with me, What are these two olive trees on the right side of the lampstand and on the left side of it? And the second time I said to him, What are these two olive branches which are beside the two golden tubes of, or sprouts by which the golden oil is emptied out? And he answered me, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. Then he said, these are the two sons of oil. Now it says here, Joshua the high priest in Zerubbabel. So those were the two rulers, the high priest, the spiritual ruler, Zerubbabel, the, the physical ruler the, of, you know, the executive ruler, can you say that? So two, two rulers of Israel, okay? Okay. Uh, the prince of Judah, the two anointed ones, okay, who stand before the Lord of the whole earth, his anointed instruments. Okay, so that was the picture, the rebuilding of the temple, the two anointed ones, but it speaks of something else. There's a, a later a rebuilding of the real temple, which is the body of Christ, and two who would become two witnesses in the rebuilding of the temple which is the, the, the body of Christ, which would be the Father and the Son, the words and the miracles, the words and the works. Okay, does it make sense yet? Okay, all right, just keep that there. We'll, we'll go to Revelation 11 in a, in, in a short while. Okay, First John chapter 4. Are you ready? You're still following me? Okay. I hope I'm not losing you. Okay. All right. John, first John chapter four. Now just listen to the true testimony, the false testimony. Those who listen to God, those who don't listen to God. Okay? Beloved, do not put faith in every spirit, but prove the spirits to discover whether they proceed from God. 
Okay, so the one spirit will testify of the truth and the other spirit will not testify of the truth. Okay. Okay, so now there's spirit concerned. Okay, so there's three spoken of in the vision in Zechariah chapter 4. Okay, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father and the Son, the two olive trees. The Spirit, the oil flowing through the pipes to the seven churches, which are the seven lamp. Did I lose you? Okay, so... The Father and the Son, the, the two anointed ones. The Holy Spirit, the oil flowing. The olive trees, the oil flowing. The church, the seven lampstands, also spoken of in Revelation. Okay, so the testimony is the life flowing through the Spirit. The two witnesses testifying of the testimony is the two anointed ones. The two olive trees, the Father and the Son, the Word and the works. You with, you with me? Okay. All right. So now he speaks of spirit. So there's a spirit that, that's the true testimony, and there's a spirit that's the false testimony. Okay. So he says, uh, do not put faith in every spirit, but prove the spirits to discover whether they proceed from God. Many false prophets have gone forth into the world. So you remember that Jerusalem was called the false prophet in Revelation? The city Jerusalem? The whore, the false prophet? Okay. There's a whole series on the end time stuff. The false prophet is not a leader or a dictator that is to come. It is the city Jerusalem that was destroyed in 70 AD. The Bible calls her the false prophet or the whore. Okay. Okay, verse 2. By this you may know and perceive and recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit which acknowledges and confesses the fact that Jesus Christ has actually become man and has come in the flesh is of God. So everyone that says Jesus is of God, he is God in the flesh, he shows the unseen God. When you see him, you see the Father. He testifies of the Father. That spirit is of God. Okay, the true testimony. And every spirit which does not acknowledge and confess that Jesus has come in the flesh, so who was that? The Sadducees, the Pharisees, the scribes, the, the ones that wanted to kill. They wanted to kill Jesus and get him out of the way. They could not confess that he was of God. Okay. Okay. And every spirit which does not acknowledge and confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. This non-confession is the spirit of Antichrist. So this non-confession was the spirit that you saw manifested in the Sadducees, Pharisees, and scribes, which were in charge of Jerusalem. Okay, so there you have the false prophet and the Antichrist. Okay, of which you have heard that it was coming and now already is in the world. Little children, you are of God. You belong to him and have already defeated and overcome them, the agents of the Antichrist, because he who lives in you is greater than he who is in the world. They proceed from the world. Okay, Hebrews chapter 9 is this um, sanctuary, but one of this world. It's a natural thing, one of this world, one of the uh, the world created by the Judaistic system. Okay, they proceed from the world and are of the world. Therefore, it is out of the world, it's whole economy, morally considered, that they speak. 
So they who are of the world speak out of the world. Okay? And the world listens to them. We are children of God. Whoever is learning to know God, etc., stuff in brackets, listens to us. Who is the us? Those who believe in the Son. Those who believe, who confess that Christ has come in the flesh. Okay. And he who is not of God does not listen to us. What a bold statement. Um, yeah, if, you, if you stand up and say this in church circles, man, you'll be crucified. If you don't listen to us, you're not of God. If you listen to us, you're of God. Okay? So who's the us? Everyone who has Jesus Christ in their hearts. Okay. What's, what's the testimony? It's whatever the Holy Spirit is bringing. It's the gospel of the kingdom. Okay. So verse, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another for love springs from God. Okay, so that's the whole, whole love story. Let's just jump over to 1 John chapter 5. Everyone who believes relies that Jesus Christ relies on the fact that Jesus is the Christ, is a born-again child of God. And everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of Him. Okay. So if you love the Father, you will love the Son. If you love the Son, you will love the Father. Okay. Verse 2. By this we come to know that we love the children of God. When we love God and obey His commands, when we keep His ordinances and are mindful of His precepts and His teaching. So it's a word that finds entrance into our heart and it causes our works to reflect the word. All right, and now he says, For the true love of God is this, that we do his commands. That's the same as John 14, 21. Okay, keep his ordinances and are mindful of his precepts and teaching. All these orders of his are not irksome, burdensome, oppressive, or grievous. So that's exactly what he said in Deuteronomy chapter 13. This word is not too hard for you. It's not irksome. Same word. It says, uh, for what does it say? It's the word of righteousness which we preach on your heart, on your lips. Okay. Verse 4. Whatever is born of God is victorious over the world. So they listen to the world. Out of the world they speak. But whatever is born of God is already victorious over the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world, even our faith. Now, who is it? That is victorious over, that conquers the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Okay? That's the victorious one. This is he who came with water and blood. Now we need to pay attention to the witnesses. It is him who came with water and blood, his baptism and his death. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, not by water only, but by the water and the blood. So John the Baptist came by water only, but Jesus came by water and blood. And it is the Holy Spirit who bears witness because the Holy Spirit is the truth. So the Holy Spirit is a witness. We know John 5 says the Father is a witness. And we know that John 8 says Jesus is a witness. So by the witness of two or three, Jesus, the Father, or Jesus the Father and the Holy Spirit. 
two or three. Okay? So some scriptures mentions the two, but now the third comes. He says, verse 7, So there are three witnesses in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. You with me? And these three are one. So the three witnesses are one witness, and they have one testimony. Okay? And there are three witnesses on the earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree. So the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is poured out. The water is the baptism. We die to our old life, and we are raised to a new life in fellowship with Him. And the blood, we are washed by the cleansing blood of the Lamb. Okay? So that's the whole gospel, the communion and the baptism. Okay? Jesus died for you. He, he died and he was raised to a new life, the water and the blood. And you can only uh, believe that by the Spirit of God. Okay? So did you receive the Holy Spirit by doing the works of the law or was it by hearing a message and believing it? What's the message? This, the blood and the water. The baptism and the blood. Okay, now it says... If we accept as we do the testimony of men, if we are willing to take human authority, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God, even the witness which he has borne regarding his Son. Verse 10. He who believes in the Son of God has the testimony within himself. So the testimony is the Spirit of God. He who does not believe in God in this way has made him out to be a liar. Because he has not believed and put his trust in the evidence, the testimony that God has borne regarding his son. So we need to accept the evidence, the work of the Holy Spirit in the church. We need to accept the evidence of signs and wonders and miracles. Okay, verse 11. And this is that testimony, that evidence. God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son. Spirit of life. Okay? Does it make sense? Okay. So the testimony is eternal life. It's a free gift, and we receive it by believing it. Okay. Verse 12. He who possesses the Son has that life. He who does not possess the Son does not have the life. And if you have the Son, you receive also the Father. And if you reject the Son, you reject the Father. Okay, so how do you know the Son and the Father? Through the Spirit. Okay, so if you have the life, if you have the Spirit, you have the Son and you have the Father. And you have the three witnesses on the inside of you, and all of them are one. Okay, I write this to you who believe in the Son of God, in the peculiar services, etc., and blessings conferred on, the, on Him by men, so that, on men, not by men, so that you may know with settled and absolute knowledge that you already have life. Yes, eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have in him. We are sure that if we ask anything in accordance with his will, he listens to and hears us. So now it's not only us that listens to him, but he listens to us. Okay, if you have the testimony on the inside of you. So now the testimony is no longer inside the box. Now the testimony is inside you. Now the glory of God doesn't manifest on a box with wings on it. Now the glory of God manifests on you. 
You are a walking, talking Holy of Holies. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are a walking, talking Ark of the Covenant. So as blessed as, who's that guy at the Ark in his backyard again? Um, and David didn't want to, you know, get it. And He was so blessed. And then David said, hey, look how blessed he is. I'm not afraid, afraid of the ark anymore. So he got and fetched the ark again. He started dancing out of his clothes. Okay. So that guy was so blessed. You're supposed to be at least that blessed. Okay? All right. We have a witness. <laughs> and he's testifying of the truth. Two or three witnesses. But he's testifying as one. Revelation chapter 1, verse 4. John to the seven assemblies that are in Asia. So what's the seven assemblies? That's the candle with the seven, the seven candlesticks of Zechariah chapter 4. Okay? You're still with me. To the seven assemblies that are in Asia, may grace be granted to you and spiritual peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits, the sevenfold Holy Spirit before his throne. So there's the Holy Spirit of Zechariah 4 as well. Verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful and trustworthy witness, the firstborn of the dead, First to be brought back to life, and the prince ruler of the kings of the earth. To him, whoever loves us and has once for all loosed and freed us from our sins by his own blood, and formed us into a kingdom, a royal race, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and power and the majesty and dominion throughout ages and forever and ever. What an introduction. Okay. To him, he says, is the king of the earth, the prince, the king of the earth, to him who, who ever loved us. Okay, He's the firstborn of the dead, first to be brought back to life, the testimony. God wants to raise the dead to life. All right, Revelation chapter 11. So we have a witness, and the witness testifies. And the question is, is our hearts open to his words? Is our hearts open to the vision of him? And what we see and what we hear, we can do. So if you hear something from God, you can do it. You can say it. If you see something from God, you can do it. If God shows you miracles and signs and wonders in the word, you can go do it. If God shows you in the lives of, well, there's more than those people, but you see the miracles in their lives. You see what the Father does. It's the Father testifying on their behalf. You see the miracles in all of their lives. The dead being raised. There's Smith Wigglesworth. There's Kobus van Riensburg. There's, uh, I mean, the whole uh, William Seymour with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Uh, the whole revival that was there in Wales with Evan Roberts. Okay? Uh, the prophecy. There's William Branham. Uh, all these people, okay, Oral Roberts with the healings, and A.A. Allen with the healings, and Catherine Kuhlman with the healings, and, and Sundar Singh with the healings, and Kenneth Hagen with the healings, and with Revelation in the Word. Those guys showed something of God. Take the testimony. Receive their testimony. And what you see, you see what your Father is showing you through them. 
What you see, you can do. And that's the revelation that T.L. Osborne got. T.L. Osborne went to India with no results and came back defeated with his wife. And they sat there. They didn't lead anyone to Jesus. And then they went to a William Branham meeting. And he said, I can do that. He saw something that William Branham did. The testimony spoke to him. And he went back to India and he, and he advertised, come see the deaf ear and the blind see. Okay, never saw a miracle in his life. He advertised. Okay, so the people started coming. And boom, the miracles came and he had crowds as far as the eye could see. And the people got saved in thousands because of the miracles. Because he took what the Father showed him through William Branham's life. I can do what I see my Father do. I see my Father do something through William Branham. I see my Father do something through Kenneth Hagen. I see my Father do something through whoever, whoever. So if you, if you go out in the outreach and it's someone else's turn to pray for the sick, see what your father is doing. Recognize the testimony. And when the person gets healed, say, I can do that. And you, you do what you see your father do. It's not pity doing it. It's the father doing it. Okay? Do you get what I'm trying to say? If you hear revelation, if you hear something of God, Understand that the Father spoke to you. You can say it. There's no copyright on revelation. There's no copyright on miracles. Just go and do what you saw. Okay. Revelation chapter 11. Verse 3. And I will grant the power of prophecy to my two witnesses. For 42 months, three and one half years, dressed in sackcloth. Okay, so what did the witnesses, the two witnesses do in three and a half years? Maybe it could have been the ministry of Jesus and all the miracles. Jesus speaking and the Father doing the miracles. Okay, just maybe. Verse 4. These witnesses are the two olive trees in the two lampstands which stand before the Lord of the earth. So just maybe Zechariah chapter 4 is now speaking of this. Verse 5. And if anyone attempts to injure them, fire pours from their mouth and consumes the enemy. If anyone should attempt to harm them, uh, thus he is doomed to be slain. So what happened to those who attempted to harm them? Jerusalem was burned down with fire in 70 AD. Okay. Because Jesus prophesied it in Matthew chapter 23 and 24, fire poured out of his mouth. Okay, so there's Jesus. 26, uh, uh, verse 6. These two witnesses have power to shut up the sky so that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying, the prediction of events relating to Christ's kingdom and the speedy triumph. And they also have power to turn the waters into blood and smite and scourge the earth with all manner of plagues as often as they choose. Okay, so they have the power to do it. Okay? But when they have finished their testimony and their evidence is all in, the beast that comes up out of the abyss will wage war on them and conquer them and kill them. So who was killed after three and a half years? Okay? All right. And their dead bodies will lie exposed in the open street of the great city. What's the great city? It's Jerusalem, which is in the spiritual sense caused by the mystical and allegorical names Sodom and Egypt. 
So how many times was Jerusalem called Sodom? Okay, how, and Jerusalem was called Egypt, okay? Where also their Lord was crucified. Verse 9, for three and a half days, men from their races and tribes and languages and nations will gaze at their dead bodies and will not allow them to be put into, into a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will gloat and exult over them and rejoice exceedingly, taking their ease and sending presents in congratulation to one another because these two prophets had been such vexation and trouble and torment in all, all the dwellers of the earth. So for a moment, Jesus said in John 14, um, so... Uh, you will have sorrow, but, the, but they will rejoice. But afterward, your sorrow will be turned into joy. He spoke of a little while, three days. Jesus being crucified and Jesus being raised from the dead. And he spoke this to the Pharisees just before the cross. Oh, to, the, to the disciples, sorry. Just before the cross. Okay, verse 11. But after three and a half days, by God's gift, uh, the breath of life again entered into them. Okay. Oh, wow. So the breath of life came into Jesus, the two witnesses. And they rose up on their feet, and great dread and terror fell on those who watched them. Then the two witnesses heard a strong voice from heaven calling to them, Come up here. And before their very eyes uh, of their enemies, they ascended into heaven in a cloud. Who ascended after he was raised from the dead? Okay. Does it sound familiar? I know the... This spiritual vision and the, the uh, description of it looks a little bit different than what you read in the natural accounts of it. But can you recognize Jesus? Okay. And at that very hour, there was a tremendous earthquake, and one-tenth of the city was destroyed. Okay, so what happened when Jesus was crucified? Okay, so the... Chrono chronology of things are sometimes in the different uh, accounts, but here and there, okay? But there was a tremendous earthquake when Jesus died, okay? One-tenth of the city was destroyed. 7,000 people perished in the earthquake, and those who remained were filled with dread and terror and were awestruck. They glorified the God of heaven. Se the seventh angel then blew his trumpet, and there were mighty voices in heaven shouting, The dominion, the kingdom, sovereignty, rule of the world has now come into the possession and become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. So what happened after the resurrection of Jesus, the, the kingdom was established. The kingdom came. All right? So there's a whole lot of things to say that. Are you a kingdom now person? Yes. Because we preach the gospel of the kingdom. Repent for the kingdom of, is, of heaven is at hand. He didn't mean the kingdom of heaven is coming in a couple of thousand years. He said it is at hand, it is here now. And the kingdom that Jesus was referring to was signs and wonders and miracles, the authority of his Father, which is actually the witness. Okay. All right, so has the kingdom been fully established? No. Is the kingdom still coming? Yes. Has it come? Yes. It's come in spirit, but it's not fully manifested yet. So do we pray, let your kingdom come? Yes. Is it wrong to pray, let your kingdom come? No, it's not wrong. Has the kingdom come? Yes. Can we see signs and wonders and miracles? Yes. Can we see God's authority on the earth? Yes. Do we have a place to be seated with Christ in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father? Yes. Is the spirit within us victorious? Yes. Who's got authority? Has he not given us all authority? 
on the earth. All authority has been given to Jesus, and he's given us his authority. He's given us his name. So the kingdom is here. But if the church don't start to speak the testimony, if the church don't start saying what the Spirit is saying, people will not see the kingdom. People will not experience the kingdom. People will not know the kingdom has come because it's in spirit. But it has to manifest, and it will manifest by faith. So every time a blind eye opens, every time a deaf ear hears, every time a sinner gets saved, people see the authority of God. The authority, the centurion saying, speak a word only and my servant will be healed. Jesus spoke a word. The king spoke and creation had to listen and his servant was healed. Okay? The kingdom of God, the exertion of the authority. Heavens are my throne, the earth is, earth is your footstool. What kind of... Uh, temple, what kind of house will you build for me? Acts chapter 7, Isaiah 66. Okay, so the kingdom is with us, in us, among us. Jesus said the kingdom is not by observation, but the kingdom is inside you. So, yes, it has come, but yes, it is coming. It's both. <laughs> it's not fully manifested yet. Okay, so when the Spirit was poured out, has the Spirit been poured out? Will the Spirit still be poured out? Yes. This is the beginning of that which was spoken of the prophet Joel. I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. So there's still something that needs to be poured out that's not poured out yet. So there's something still to be manifested. All right. But the world has now come into the position, become the kingdom of our Lord and Christ. Then the 24 elders, the, 20, the heavenly Sanhedrin, who sit in the thrones before God, prostrated themselves before him and worshipped, exclaiming, To you we give thanks, Lord God omnipotent, the one who is and who ever was, for assuming the high sovereignty and the great power that are yours and for beginning to reign. Okay, so there's power that needs to be exerted in reigning. Verse 19, Then the sanctuary of God in heaven was thrown open, so has the sanctuary been opened? Hebrews 4, come boldly to the throne. Hebrews chapter 10, he has opened up a fresh new living way. It was 19 and 20. Okay, so it's open. The sanctuary was thrown open, and the ark of the covenant was seen standing inside his sanctuary. And there was flashes of lightning, loud rumblings, blasts, mutterings, peals of thunder, earthquake, and a terrible hailstorm. Okay? Thrown open. Right. Acts chapter 1, and then we're done. I'm already over the time. Acts chapter 1. Then I'll just quote a few things with it. <laughs> this is where the whole message started for me. Acts chapter 1. There's so much, okay? I'm not going to read everything. So, give us 6. So, when they were assembled, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will reestablish the kingdom and restore it to Israel? So the question is, the kingdom. When, when, when? He said to them, it's not for you to become acquainted with a know what time brings. So he says it's not the natural time. Remember the whole meeting of the natural time and the supernatural time? Remember? Natural time, you can measure it with a clock. Supernatural time is eternal. 
you have to step into it. So it's not about time. It's not for you to become acquainted with and know what time brings. The things and events of time and their definite periods of fixed years or seasons, the critical niche in time, which the Father has appointed. So he says, get your, get your mind out of time. Verse 8, but you shall receive power. So get an eternal insight, eternal life. That's the testimony, is eternal life. He says, but you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The Spirit is the third witness. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So now you are a witness. So what are you a witness of? You're a witness of what the Holy Spirit shows you. What does the Holy Spirit show you? The whole desire of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Jesus. And the whole desire of Jesus is to reveal the Father. So they are one, these three witnesses. So there's, a, there's three witnesses on earth, and we need to be speaking of those things. The blood, the water, the Spirit. We need to be speaking by the Spirit the message of the blood of Jesus and the baptism of water. The three witnesses. You shall be my witnesses. You shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So you shall be my witnesses. So you will witness in the unseen. And the Father will testify concerning you with power. The Son will testify concerning you with power. The Holy Spirit will testify concerning you with power. Okay? You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. How do you receive the Holy Spirit? By the hearing of faith. Hearing a message, the testimony, believing it, letting his words find entrance into your hearts. Okay? Right. So you will receive power, ability, efficiency, might after the Holy Spirit is born, and you shall be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So what happened? So after the three and a half years, the two witnesses were killed and resurrected. So the Holy Spirit was poured out. Now there's thousands of witnesses. So the one is the Father, the Spirit, and the Son testifying with the body, the church. Okay. So for three and a half years in Jerusalem, Jesus worked miracles through his apostles. Okay. And then they spread all over. And they got their new headquarters in Antioch. Okay? But the gospel went with signs and wonders and miracles with power. The witnesses continued. So... Romans 1... I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it, the gospel, the testimony, is the power of God unto salvation. So what does the, the testimony say? God gives you eternal life. The gospel of the kingdom means life. 
He wants to raise the dead to life. Okay? 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18. To the Jews it's a stumbling block. To the Greeks it's nonsense. But to us who are called, Christ, absurdity, unphilosophical nonsense, etc. But to us who are being saved, it is the manifestation of the power of God. The gospel is the power. The testimony brings the power. After you will receive power after the Holy Spirit, the witness comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. With other words, you will speak a testimony. And the testimony is whatever the Holy Spirit says. And you will receive power. The gospel is the power unto salvation. We have to speak by the Spirit. We have to let the witness on the inside speak through us and bring testimony and bring uh, testify regarding the, the Father, regarding the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 24, but those who are called, whether Jew or Greek, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Okay. If you understand the witness and the testimony, and you are not blind to his vision and deaf to his hearing, but you hear and you receive. Man, I wish I could, you can go read John chapter 12 for homework. It will so nicely fall into, into this from verse From verse 32 onward to the end. Okay. It's going to be too much. Quoting out of Isaiah 53, who has believed our report in this context? Okay. We need to believe the report. We need the the testimony of the witness to find entrance into our heart. And that brings power. Okay. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you for the witnesses, who is one witness. Out of the testimony of two or three witnesses, the truth is established. Thank you, Lord, that you are the trustworthy, faithful witness. Three in one. Thank you that you live inside of us and that you testify concerning us. Thank you that your power is available to testify with us. Holy Ghost, let your testimony be displayed in our lives. In Jesus' name. We thank you for life. We thank you for eternal life. We thank you for words of life. We thank you for works of life. We thank you, Jesus, for the power of God unto salvation being demonstrated through your church. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Amen, 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 amen. All right, I hope this has done something. So, uh, bless you, everyone who is watching. Um, if you need some prayer, I'm, I'm just going to pray one prayer for all the, all the saints watching online. All right, so whatever you need, just receive it now. <laughs> so, in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. All sickness be healed, all lack be be, be provided for. We pray, Lord Jesus, for the blessing of God, the testimony of the Holy Spirit to bring fruit in their lives in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father.